the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, very good to be with you. Thank you for coming and joining us. Uh, Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email, um, the wink, what you need to know, as well as you can see these great interviews. Every interview we do, especially with, especially with, but every segment we do, but especially the interviews, we make sure to post with an individual link. So you can just listen to that interview as well as as a podcast. So you can, if you, if you're interested in what we're talking about, you say, Hey, let me go find out more. You can go over to proamericareport.com. It'll kick to the Phyllis Schlafly.com universe. And there's a lot of there there. So please check that out. Okay. Today. We've got um, some great uh, discussions. I, in a few moments, we'll talk with Stefano Gennarini, uh, who is over at uh, CFAM, the Center for uh, uh, the Center for uh, Family and Human Rights. I think I got that right. Um, CFAM, c-fam.org. I know their website well. It's really good, and they do. He does a Friday fax. It comes out every Friday. I assume it used to be a fax. Now it's an email, and it tells you a lot of what's going on at the UN. He's a conservative who, uh, along with CFAM and Austin Roos, their uh, fearless president, they watch what's going on there. Well, they have identified that the Netherlands, uh, which probably in your head sounds liberal, right? It's got to be liberal. I think they got liberal drug laws. They probably have liberal laws on uh, on sexuality and sex trade. I think they do. Uh, but on certain issues, uh, it sounds pretty like a human rights violation. Uh, whether and here's the here's the kicker. Certainly, for me and you, if you're pro-life, they've got some really really lax uh, pro-life laws and life. Excuse me, abortion laws, but also end of life, end of life. I I believe we're going to see more and more as this huge huge gray tsunami comes through the the baby boomers and beyond that are aging all over the world so many so many people will live longer into their late 70s 80s 90s and how we handle the end of life is going to say a lot about us and so we'll talk with Stefano Gennarini in a few moments also we'll talk with uh, Carrie Severino right after the break here after this segment Carrie worked uh, clerk for uh, Clarence Thomas Justice Thomas and she is the head of the Judicial Crisis Network she's pretty amazing lady she does a great job and is out there sort of as a public face saying hey wait a second what about conservative judges hey wait a second what about um, protecting judges? In this case, she's got a, a, a poll out uh, that says, hey, most Americans want uh, less of this uh, targeting of judges, justices. And uh, she actually argues that uh, we should see more leadership from the White House on this. So we'll talk with her. Um, but first, what you need to know. And here's what you need to know. This is really important. And I'm really sorry this is where we are. But this is where we are. And where we are is that uh, they are hunting they are hunting us. And when I say that, I don't say it lightly, lightly. They are hunting conservatives. They are hunting conservatives. And let me walk you through the last just five months and show you what I mean. And then we can go back 20 months and then we can go back five years. But first, let's just go for five months. They're hunting conservatives. What do I mean? They're not just 
um, they're, they're, they're systematically looking for and trying to damage conservatives. So here's the last five months. The Supreme Court leak that happens clearly meant to embarrass, to put pressure on, to, I don't know, influence the Supreme Court. Horrendous leak. And what happens? All the attention goes to Supreme Court justices, right? And very quickly, the question is, can someone convince these justices not to reverse Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, and Casey versus uh, Planned Parenthood of Pennsylvania? I guess Pennsylvania versus Planned Parenthood. I, I always get that one wrong. The Casey case. And it culminates with someone flying across the country hoping to influence Justice Kavanaugh by murdering him and his family. Shows up at his house with, with accoutrement, tools to be able to tie him up and kill him. Now, one caused the other. And yet, was there an outcry? I mean, there was some outcry among conservatives for sure. But was there a wholesale outcry? No, no. In fact, you had people all over the country saying, hey, wait a second, uh, what, what's going on here? Because why? Because within weeks or days of the Kavanaugh assassination attempt, there were protests in front of the justices' homes, okay? And so in, the, in front of Amy Coney Barrett's home, Justice Kip Barrett, uh, in front of Justice Kavanaugh's home, in front of uh, uh, Justice Gorsuch's home, Justice Alito, you get the point. The focus was on intimidation and targeting, physical targeting. Justice Kavanaugh then gets shouted at and shouted out of a restaurant. Now, people say, oh, he had his meal without being inconvenienced. Trust me. The way it works is there's security at the building, at the restaurant, and they would tell someone, hey, we got a situation where people are outside screaming and yelling. You know, I th we think you've got it secure enough. You can finish, but we want you to be aware because something could happen. That's what happens. It, it's not exactly relaxed. You're not exactly like, oh, good, you know, about past the, the Vino Bianco. No, that's that's this is the last five months. Next after that is you see the public attacking of Ginny Thomas, and they say Ginny Thomas, who is the spouse of a Supreme Court justice, is not allowed to have a public opinion or a private opinion. It's not allowed to have a job if it doesn't coincide with what they want. There are plenty of judges that are liberal whose spouse is a law professor or is working as an activist. There are people right now, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, his wife is a prominent left-wing activist. I think she's at a think tanky place, but my point is, you are supposed to be able to be the spouse of someone important, especially the wife, and have your own job, right? That was what I think the feminists wanted that. So Ginny Thomas is targeted, and the January 6th Select Committee, one of the members, I don't know if it was Chairman Thompson or Liz Cheney or whoever said, basically, you know, we want to get to uh, to find out if uh, Ginny Thomas's activism or else might influence the court in any way. So basically, we're using the wife to try to get to the husband, okay? You see this? You see what's going on? It's from one spot to the other. What you need to know is it is hunting people right along the path, and it's conservatives. They're moving along the path. Okay, that's the last four or five months. How about the last 18 months? Of the, I don't know, 700 plus people that were arrested for January 6th, some extraordinary number of them were arrested for something that was a misdemeanor, trespass maybe. There are men that are held in the jails in Washington, D.C. and other ones for over a year for nonviolent crimes, misdemeanors that are uh, uh, targeted and focused on by the media and by the January 6th Select Committee and by others as insurrectionists, that's just a lie. 
Again, somebody pushes a cop, you got a problem. Somebody breaks a window, sure, I got a problem. Somebody ushered into the Capitol by the Capitol Police thinking that it's open and it's okay. I'm not sure you charge, maybe you charge them with a misdemeanor, maybe. But you don't say that they're an insurrectionist, ruin their life and try to make them into something or not. And you could say, oh, well, they're just doing this to Trump. They're not doing it to Trump only. They're doing it to people, American people whose families are wrecked because they're sitting in jail. That's the last 18 months. If you if you pick your head up from your uh, computer and say, yeah, I don't know if the election was really done right. I, it seems like there's problems. You will be deplatformed. You will be attacked. You will be mocked, ridiculed. You'll be called the big lie, the big liars. This is what they're doing. Now go back five years. If you happen to be a Trump person down the stretch in 2016, you certainly it was made. You were, they tried to make you uncomfortable. They tried to say, you know, oh, how can you support somebody like that? But then after the after he won, if you were Mike Flynn, you were targeted, clearly targeted. Now, if you were John, Donald Trump, you were clearly targeted with the Steele dossier and the British slash uh, uh, American effort, Brit- the British slash Clinton effort to to uh, to take out to to damage the the Trump campaign and his presidency. And you had the Mueller, 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 the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax targeting Americans, Manafort, Stone, on and on, targeting why? Because they were center-right, because they were supporters of Donald Trump, one of the two, I think they're both related. But the difference today is that we're watching the power of big government being brought to bear. And I think we're going to interview Alan Bakari tomorrow from Breitbart about a piece he wrote, a kind of think piece on how big tech is ramping up to influence 2022 elections. And what you need to know is it's it's the narrative machine that is used to set the narrative, but it's used now to hunt us, to target. It's lawfare, but it's also lawfare with a little oomph because it's not just a lawsuit against you because you're conservative or whatever. It's now the Department of Justice and the January 6th committee and prison and all the rest. That's the difference. What you need to know is the narrative machine, big tech and big media is being backed up heavy by big government. Big government is in this and, and they're taking the narrative and they're using it and they're taking, they're, they're hunting. They're just hunting. They're hunting the opponents of the establishment effort, whether you call that liberals or not, Democrats or not, the establishment. That's what's happening in this country right now. That is what's happening. That is the truth. They are hunting conservatives. The narrative machine is setting up why you should be able to do that. Because if you're a conservative or a Trump supporter, you're so out of touch. You're a, you're a white nationalist. You're a this, you're a that, you're an up, you're down. And then you can use the government to go after these people. It's happening around us right now. You can't, um, you can't deny it. I don't think you can deny the facts of it. I can't read their minds why they're doing it. I just describe what they're doing. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. We'll go talk with Carrie Severino uh, of the um, Judicial Crisis Network, especially about Justice Thomas and how he's been targeted. Oh, that's the last one. Sorry, I missed it. Justice Thomas, this is the coup. To, this is the icing on the cake. Not only do they come after you and your family and everything else, they make it so unpalatable, so so unpleasant, impalatable and unpleasant that Justice Thomas announced he's not going to teach a class at George Washington University. Justice Breyer is teaching at Harvard this year, this, this semester coming up. 
Justice Thomas is supposed to teach a class he's taught for years, I think, five years, seven years at George Washington University School of Law. He's not going to teach it because the faculty there objected, because the people objected, the liberals objected, because they don't like the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Not, again, they're not doing it to Breyer. They're not doing it to liberals. They're not doing it to, to establishment hacks that go along. They're doing it to conservatives. They're hunting. Okay, I got to take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, This story is infuriating, as I mentioned in the open to the show. Um, Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, is everybody says everybody says he's one of the smartest guys that served on the court. He's he's one of the more interesting people. He's got incredible life experience, which came out in the last uh, two years in a dramatic way uh, with that Michael uh, Pack uh, documentary. I mean, it's just one after another. And the news that came out in the last 24 hours that he will not be teaching a course at George Washington University. Now, we don't know why, except that we do know that they make the left is making everybody miserable and making it pl- unpleasant and nasty. And and why would you, you know, uh, uh, it's not like his time isn't worth more. So anyway, I will. will I want to talk to Carrie Severino. Carrie Severino, of course, is over at the uh, Judicial, uh, excuse me, Judicial Crisis Network. I almost read the website, uh, Carrie, judicialnetwork.com. Um, she herself is an attorney. She clerked for Justice Thomas, as well as on the Court of Appeals uh, in uh, D.C., as I recall. And she's been active in a number of different policy arenas, but especially in articulating the importance of good judges. So uh, welcome back, Carrie. How are you? Thanks, Ed. Doing well. Doing well. Great to be here. Well, so and so I actually grabbed you to get you on because there's new polling from your organization about the impact of uh, President Biden and the Democrats. In my opinion, their impact is they were silent in the face of threats to justices, uh, whether it's Kavanaugh and his home, Coney Barrett and her home, all these people uh, and Justice Thomas, of course. Um, So the polling you have, I thought I'll talk about that. But also now Justice Thomas is not going to teach a course at George Washington University School of Law. Uh, It just feels like it's it's it's. they, they don't have to. They're just targeting uh, these men and women in every conceivable way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think I want to take issue with one thing you said, which is okay. I don't think they've been silent in the face of it. I think they've actually encouraged it. Um, right. You know, they have it. They not only have they not condemned it, but you look at some of the actions of people like Senator Schumer, who's the Supreme Court on this now a couple of years ago. But he was shouting and he said, you know, I'm going to tell you, Gorsuch, I'm going to tell you, Kavanaugh, if you do this. You're not going to know what's hit you. Well, now we're starting to see what he meant, maybe. Right. And and yeah. and you're seeing people taking that as a green light. You're seeing the actions of people like AOC and the squad. And then the White House not only didn't condemn these things, but they keep on saying things like, wow, these people are really passionate. And, oh, we just support their right to protest peacefully. Well, look, look, folks. Yes, obviously, there's a First Amendment right to protest. But that doesn't mean you have to say we are encouraging every group that's using its First Amendment rights, even in a, even in a way that's rude, obviously. Some of these things go beyond First Amendment rights. No, you know, the, the attempted assassination and things like that. But um, we're, we're, this is this is not the way um, we should be treating our public service. Agree or disagree with them. Look, Justice Breyer's teaching at Harvard this year. Am I advocating <laughs> right. that right. the conservative students on campus go out and protest him? No, I, I think they should be happy to have a, a Supreme Court justice, as should everyone. 
Right. Uh, we're, we're talking with Carrie Severino. And again, I, I'll put up on social media, her organization's website, judicialnetwork.com. You see a lot of there there. Um, Carrie, I, I, you know, in on politico.com, which is where I go to read the left, what they're laying out. There's a professor from Georgetown named Snyder, and he writes a piece uh, today that uh, yes, maybe today, the Supreme Court has too much power and liberals are to blame. And he goes into this lengthy description about how the Supreme Court has too much power. Therefore, we have to stop them with the power. Now, here's my point. For decades, if you were a conservative, you watched the court make decisions that were against the things you held dear. And there wasn't an effort by conservatives to undermine the court and threaten justices. In fact, it was the opposite. It was, let's make an argument about what the law is. Let's go and get people elected who can uh, appoint better justices and judges. And that happened. So now that you have that occurring, the left's answer is, we're not going to do the same thing and make an argument and and, and go win elections. We're just going to delegitimize the Supreme Court. And from the leak to the protests and attacks on the homes and the, and the space of these justices to the pressure on justice Thomas and his wife. It, it's, it's not slowing Carrie. And when you look at the polling you did, does, does the American, do the American people, do they get it? But I know they get it when you ask them, nobody thinks you should threaten someone, but does it translate into, into something that meaningful? Can we expect real changes or not? Well, I think that's why it's important that we make sure people realize what's going on. We know that the American people are not happy. And this means this is our polling show. This is not just a Republican. This is across the board. Independents and Democrats very strongly don't like, for example, that the Justice Department isn't prosecuting people that clearly violate federal law, whether that's the federal law about protesting in front of justices' homes, whether that's federal laws that protect crisis pregnancy centers and churches from vandalism and 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 uh, in violence and um, threats. Uh, and that's not being prosecuted right now. They don't they don't want to see that. They think that offering bounties on the heads of justices and saying, hey, tell us where they're eating dinner so we can go harass them uh, by some of these left wing groups. People don't like that. And yet we don't you know, I think people need to know what's happening. They want to see the president stand up and say, this is not acceptable public behavior. This isn't how we have a debate. So um, I think that's why it's our job to make sure this doesn't get papered over. This doesn't get ignored, because if the American people don't realize the kind of outrageous behavior that's happening, uh, then how can we expect them to hold their public servants accountable? They need to be telling, knowing that their their member of Congress is endorsing this and that their president is not uh, standing up to it and, and refusing to let the Department of Justice enforce federal law, because I do think that's where most of America is. It's not where the extremists on the left are. And we want to make sure they listen to the real Americans and not the deep you know, pockets of the dark money left who's just shouting, shouting for more and more. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Carrie Severino, and she's the president of Judicial Crisis Network, judicialnetwork.com. By the way, Carrie, I never thought of this to say this to you, but you're you're a pretty close to almost exactly like Phyllis Schlafly. She was married to a very prominent attorney. Your husband is a well-known attorney, very successful. She had a pack of kids. Phyllis did just like you do. And she yeah. was despised and hated by the left because she was happy and attractive and, and, uh, and you know, did her job well and was smart like you are. But, but let me ask you that. I mean, in the world where a public figure like you would be a talking head in the last five years or so, six years, you get a lot of grief. You get a lot of grief on social media. You get a lot of grief. You know, people are, are very unpleasant. I've seen enough of it to know. I don't even know the most of it. But somehow it's 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 expanding, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're really targeting anyone who is on the, the right side of the ledger who's effective 
and they're targeting them more and more sophisticated. It's not just Carrie Severino is, is not nice. She's a sellout to feminism or something, whatever they could say. It's making people's lives really, really miserable, pressuring them and making it unpleasant. It's expanding. Yeah. I mean, that's becoming a, um, a favorite method of the left because they, they don't want to have that debate. We want, we have the first moment we want to have continue to have these debates because we want to be able to talk to each other, respect each other's ideas, have a discussion. I'm not going to always agree with everyone I'm going to say, but give us the opportunity to have that discussion. What we're seeing in the left now is they don't want to have the discussion. They want to shout down the other side. And so we see it on social media and you see it, it you see it with these people protesting in front of the justices homes or saying, Hey, we're going to anywhere you go, you go out to dinner. We're going to we're going to try to make your life miserable. They weren't they weren't arguing. They when they saw the draft Dobbs opinion come out, they weren't saying, hey, let's make some even better arguments to make to convince them to change their mind. No, the argument they were making is let's make you feel unsafe. Let's publish where you go to church, where your children go to school so that you you think we're coming for you if you don't vote the way we want. That is not how America is supposed to work. Right. We are supposed to be a nation. Of, of the rule of law where judges are making decisions based on their legal analysis, not fear for their own safety or that of their family. And that, go, that goes for public, public figures across the board. I, we need to be encouraging back to that type of, um, of public discourse because that's the only way that we're going to be able to keep the nation that we have. Well, and just to put a final point on it, your point, your point, and, and one of the reasons you did this poll was to say, look, Americans agree. We shouldn't do this to each other, to justices. And therefore, now that you know that you should demand leadership, both parties, all parties, everybody in the media to stop that madness. And that's the, that's the missing link here is mm-hmm. there's plenty of people saying we shouldn't do that. You're saying that, but Joe Biden and his team is, as you say, saying the opposite. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it's kind of like, I, I always, back to the parallels of Phyllis Lafley, I feel like I learned a lot from parenting. Right. Your, toddlers are always going to have tantrums, right? right? The difference between good parents and bad parents are the parents that know how to deal with the tantrums and the parents that just feed them. And what we're seeing now is Joe Biden and the other Democrats are just feeding the tantrum. They're get, trying to give them everything they want and saying, and I think maybe part of it is they're scared they're going to tantrum at them. That's not how you do it. You have to you have to help them grow to a higher level, right? Help <laughs> right. them mature. Um, and that you, you can't do that by just encouraging people to have a hissy fit every time they disagree. Look at what the pro-life movement did 50 years ago. Did they say, let's burn the Supreme Court down? Let's attack all the justices. Let's make their lives miserable. No, they, they prayed. They marched. They, they lobbied their 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 uh, public servants. They tried to get people in office who were going to appoint better judges. They tried to ar- make good arguments for why the Constitution doesn't include a right to abortion. Um, but that's the way you do it. And it's mm. frustrating. It took 50 years, right? right, right <laughs> Even right. for something as egregiously wrong as Roe. But that's the way we have to do it. You yeah. can't just throw it all out because you're frustrated yeah. because you disagree with what the court did. Carrie Severino, uh, thank you. By the way, the other thing about parenting is it teaches you to pray without ceasing. I tell people, I have, once I have two daughters and two sons, I just, especially my daughter, the 18 year old, I just pray without ceasing. So anyway, uh, mm-hmm. thank you, Carrie uh, Severino. And I'll put up on social media, judicialnetwork.com is her website. Carrie Severino is the president over there at the Judicial Crisis Network. Uh, we'll have you back on again. Appreciate your time and especially your uh, advocacy out there. All right, everybody, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Thank you. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report and a chance to catch up uh, with our friend uh, Stefano Gennarini, who's over at the uh, CFAM, c-fam.org. I'll put it up on social media, the links to that. It's the Center for Family and Human Rights. Uh, he is up towards, I don't know if he's in the, I don't know if there's, they call the UN, they should have a name for the UN, like the swamp, like we call DC the swamp, but he's up in the, in the neck of the woods uh, towards the UN watching what's going on there. And he is an attorney among other aspects of his career. And welcome back, first of all, uh, Stefano. How are you? Very well. Well, the United Nations is known uh, <laughs> um, uh, as uh, to those who frequent it as Turtle Bay, but uh, ah. I, have, I have heard of people refer to it as a pigsty. <laughs> that's a uh, Turtle Bay, of course, is the, I do know that one, but that's right. I think probably pigsty is pretty good. All right. Hey, listen, I, the Center for Family and Human Rights, I mentioned c-fam.org. Um, you can check out all their work. I flagged this um, piece that you wrote about um, just about five or six days ago. Netherlands human rights record criticized. And what really got me here, uh, Stefano, was the next part of this next um, uh, clause because of euthanasia and abortion. So uh, walk me through um, what you say here and what the reality, again, when they get the UN and it's like, Oh, the only bad actor in the UN is like, you know, America and Iran sometimes, but here's the Netherlands and you describe these. So walk us through this, please. So the Netherlands is having its human rights record reviewed uh, at the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva, which is a body of UN member states or a process where uh, UN member states uh, review every country's human rights record. And uh, different countries, as well as NGOs, non-governmental organizations such as ourselves, uh, will have the opportunity to, uh, to ask questions of the Netherlands and their okay. human rights record. So we made a submission um, through an official channel uh, set up by the United Nations to to collect information from uh, non-governmental organizations, um, civil society more broadly, um, on the human rights record of the Netherlands. And we, we chose to make a submission um, challenging the Netherlands' uh, liberal euthanasia laws and their abortion laws, and specifically their, the way that their abortion laws are used for eugenic purposes, that is to, uh, to kill off um, entire segments of the population, um, including children with Down syndrome. Um, again, we're talking with uh, Stefano Gennarini from uh, CFAM. So when you say that they, the Netherlands is getting a review um, uh, by the UN Human Rights Council, does every nation get reviewed? Oh, yeah. Every nation gets reviewed uh, periodically. So about once every five years, they come under review. The process began in 2006, um, and uh, the United States have, has gone through the process of ready uh, twice and is is now uh, preparing for a third cycle. Huh. All right. So now back to the Netherlands. Um, is this an example of where America gets uh, um, we get kind of um, uh, lambasted in the media, but other nations are doing, if, if not a lot worse, a lot in a way that nobody even is paying attention to? That, that certainly is the case. The United States uh, human rights record is obviously scrutinized in a much more um, under a much more powerful microscope, you could say, than other nations' records. And, uh, you know, several Nordic countries have uh, extraordinarily uh, shocking <laughs> uh, policies to promote uh, the abortion of children with Down syndrome. Um, it, it is, is essentially is a government policy for um, 
for the Netherlands, for Iceland, and for uh, Denmark and other Nordic countries to disincentivize any family from welcoming a child with Down syndrome or other, um, you know, uh, debilitating disabilities. Um, and um, so they do incentivize abortion. They promote it through their hospitals, through the medical personnel, and they they remove incentives for children to have babies with special needs. Uh, we're again, uh, Stefano Gennarini is our, our guest. Uh, he is at the Center for, uh, for uh, Fam, uh, Family and Human Rights, C-FAM.org. He's the vice president for legal studies uh, there. Um, on the other end of this, something that my listeners hear me talk a lot about, um, meaning the end of life, uh, the other end of the you know, beginning of life, we hear a lot about the end of life. Um, this is a growing problem. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone really, um, I don't think most normal Americans as they go through their busy lives are tracking how important and how worrisome the end of life is and the, the notion of euthanasia um, and how in other countries, in this case, the Netherlands, they're far, far uh, along away from what I think we would expect on euthanasia. Talk, tell me a little bit about that, please. Well, yeah, the, the Netherlands, I, I believe, is the first country to, to legalize euthanasia or it, it, initially it was voluntary or assist voluntary euthanasia or what's sometimes called a, a assisted suicide. Um, but the, they now have such a lax uh, regime for euthanasia that essentially, um, you know, children, uh, elderly persons, persons who have uh, mental conditions, including you know, simply depression, are being euthanized. And it's questionable whether it's voluntary or not. Um, and so there have been not just conservative groups who are opposed to euthanasia, but also liberal groups who are in favor of euthanasia, who have questioned the process that is ongoing now in the Netherlands and the, how liberal the regime is and the fact that it, it is being abused. Um, do, do they, does, does, it, does it have any real effect when, when I say that, um, uh, you know, that uh, uh, Stefano Gennarini, uh, the vice president of legal studies, he's at the Center for uh, Family and Human Rights. You file this letter through the appropriate channels. You say to the uh, human rights, I, I, it feels like we're pretending that the Human Rights Council and others will actually be. Um, fair arbiters. I mean, do 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 you get? Um, I know you're raising the point. You're you're educating, even as you advocate. Maybe you're shaming people sometimes to, if the light of day shines on this, they might change their policy. But do do you feel like there will be an airing? That there will be it will be taken up? Is there any? I mean, I'm looking at your own website, and I should point out to people that uh, uh, Stefano Generini puts out a Friday facts, and it comes out and says what's going on at the UN. It's very valuable. It's no longer. Facts, maybe you get it as a fax, but it's an email and uh, and it's the facts as well as FAX. But, uh, you know, the, the, the one I'm looking at, your previous ones, uh, homosexual and transgender issues, you know, the abortion and transgender ideology. I mean, all the um, all the kinds of things you'd expect to do something like euthanasia or abortion or your critique of the Netherlands. Does it have any staying power? Um, we're, we'll see about it. I mean, right now we don't have any powerful uh, UN member states with the resources and the political will to drive a pro-life agenda. Uh, but it's important to be ready and to have, you know, all the cards ready for when that may happen. Um, we have seen, for example, several countries um, promote uh, pro-life laws in the Universal Periodic Review at the Human Rights Council, the, huh. the process, yeah, uh, including Egypt, Kenya, 
Um, there have and and it's it's been sporadic. It's not been consistent or systematic. Um, but the effort that we're now making to to make more of these submissions in the Human Rights Council is precisely to show how it can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that um, if, for example, in the future we have a, a pro-life, uh, pro-family administration that believes in authentic human rights. Um, right. And they are so inclined, they may uh, put in place uh, a more systematic uh, review of countries' human rights records in accordance with pro-life values. Uh, again, uh, uh, following up on that, I-, I know that you wouldn't get any sim- uh, sympathy from um, the current administration on abortion. Do you get any um, interest on the euthanasia question? Is there is there any sense that uh, that's that that cuts through or cuts across party lines? No, there's there's no sense in which the Biden administration. I don't see the Biden administration even asking questions about euthanasia. Wow. Um, all right. Well, uh, Stefano Generini, thank you for coming on with us again. And on short notice, he's the vice president of legal studies uh, at the Center for Family and Human Rights, c-fam.org. His Friday facts is valuable. Uh, that website is valuable and the work is uh, important. So thank you again for coming on with us. Thank you, Ed. All right, we'll take a break, everyone. Don't forget, I will go over and put up on social media. In fact, I'll link to uh, one of the recent uh, Friday faxes of uh, Stefano so you see it. And um, and there's a lot of there there. And also link to that uh, letter. Um, excuse, yeah, the letter, the sort of filing by CFAM uh, about Netherlands, uh, all there over at uh, ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin, ProAmerica Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. What is the purpose of a business? If I were to ask this question at any other time in history, the answer would be crystal clear. Businesses are supposed to make money. Yet in the bizarro world of modern leftism, major CEOs are starting to implement a new model that could prove disastrous for American industry. Traditionally, the money-making purpose of business has been referred to by the term shareholder capitalism, which means that a company should act in accordance with what is best for the shareholders. The trendy new model is known as stakeholder capitalism, which means that a company should not act according to what's best for the business's growth, but for what is best for the environment or society as a whole. If this sounds suspiciously like leftism to you, you're not alone. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon made headlines for insisting, I'm not woke, when he made a defense of stakeholder capitalism. The CEO doth protest too much, methinks. Woke corporations are using the stakeholder capitalism mantra to use corporate resources to advocate for leftist causes that customers and shareholders would never agree to. Just look at Disney which was lauded almost universally a decade ago, but is now alienating customers in droves just to advance radical gender ideology. It's a bad move for Disney, but they don't seem to care. Somehow, they think appealing to their left-wing puppeteers will give them more power than money ever could. We all recognize that businesses can and should get involved in the communities they serve. Charitable contributions by businesses are a hallmark of capitalism, not communism. However, having a company work against their own interest to achieve political ends helps no one but Chinese competitors who are all too eager to fill in the gaps of weakening American industry. American businesses should exist to make money and to grow, 
That's how jobs are created, consumer needs are met, and American interests are protected. Let's say no to poorly named stakeholder capitalism and let companies work for the interest of shareholders. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish up. I want to lay something out for you. This is very important. This is a follow-on to Kerry Severino and my discussion earlier. Again, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily emails there. Get yourself informed uh, and up-to-date through the daily email. It goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. The What You Need to Know, the daily wink. You'll get it there. Okay, so I, I tell you that you have to sometimes see, you have to see What's happening? And I'm here to help you see it, describe it. And so here's my line. Here's the line. Liberals are transparent. They're transparent if you can see it. Okay? That's, I mean, that's a big, it's a playing around, right? But very transparent if you can see it. There's a professor at Georgetown University, a liberal. I assume he's a liberal law professor. I don't know him personally. But if you look at his writings and what he's done, he looks like a pretty liberal guy. Went to Yale Law School, clerked for the Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Well, Judge Nelson is his, who he clerked for. He went to Duke uh, undergrad. His writings seem pretty liberal. And, and how think he is. Let's say that. So he's a left-leaning professor of law at Georgetown Law School. So... He has a very thoughtful, serious think piece. They call it a think piece in Politico, in the magazine at Politico, which is a place they put longer articles. And so you say, oh, good. And the title, listen to the title. Opinion. The Supreme Court has too much power and liberals are to blame. Oh, wow. That's 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 pretty good. Okay, good. Wow. This is, uh, you know, liberals have too much. Supreme Court has too much power. Liberals are to blame. Yeah, let's blame the liberals. Except transparent. It's transparent. The reason why liberals now, like this professor and others, want to say the Supreme Court has too much power is because the liberals don't control it. When the liberals controlled it, you weren't writing these articles. You were happy to have them. Before there was a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, no one was writing articles and saying, oh, wow, they have too much power. Let's stop it. No, because the liberals were in control. Liberals were getting decisions that they wanted. They were expanding the role of government. They were expanding the role of the judiciary from starting with Roe v. Wade, a horrendous decision, Doe v. Bolton, all the way through Casey, all the way down Obergefell, all these decisions that were liberal. Well, that's when they loved to see liberals are transparent. They loved they loved the Supreme Court having too much power when they were in charge. Now, conservatives have the power, so they got to pull it back. And he goes on, lengthy piece, very smart, right? Uh, the Warren Court was uh, was the one that started this, and it's uh, it's um, you know it's too much uh, it's too much power, and we should do it. And then he says very cleverly, "Well, don't actually try to pack the Supreme Court because he knows no one will do that." The liberal professor knows this guy's savvy. He's not a dumb liberal. He's not a liberal who's just loud. Um, he's actually saying, "Hey, he, this is a way to to uh, to actually be realistic," and his realism is take away jurisdiction from the Supreme Court and transfer it other places. Now, I'm actually for this. 
I believe that the Supreme Court has decided it can judge and decide everything under the sun. I don't think they should, because it is within Congress's power to take away from the federal courts jurisdiction over certain issues. They could do it on marriage, for example. They could say you have nothing to say about marriage. It's not something you should because that's allowed in the Constitution. Congress has the ability to to tell delegate or to limit the jurisdiction of the Supreme of the courts that's in their power. So. I like this idea, and I like Snyder saying this. Of course, he's saying it as to all the liberal things. He wants to make sure that they take away from, and this is the great thing, so transparent, take away from, he doesn't even say take it away permanently. He says take away the Supreme Court's ability to rule on certain things and leave it with the lower courts. In this case, the D.C. Court of Appeals, which is liberal now, it's being loaded up with liberals, would be the one to decide. It's fantastic. My point only is this. Understand the game they're playing, and you can see it. It's transparent. And what you're watching as they as they demean uh, and denigrate Justice Thomas and his wife and his family and threaten everyone. They got Kavanaugh threatened. They got attackers showing up. They're denigrating the institution because it's no longer of use to them. When it was of use to them, it was, ah, yes, isn't it amazing? You can have Ginsburg and Breyer and Kagan and Sotomayor and all these liberals. And over there, you have that nice conservative Nino. Oh, boy, Nino, he's friendly with everybody. See, he wasn't a problem for them in the minority. He was a problem in the majority. And now that there's a conservative majority, they're wondering, well, are the conservatives actually going to do what they've said for decades about conservatism, how the courts should be ruling, how the courts should understand the law? That's what's going on. Transparent. The professor at Georgetown is saying what the liberals are feeling quick. We can't allow the Supreme Court to stay well-respected, powerful, and using its authority like we just did for 40 years. We got to gut it. Either gut it by legislation, gut it by the cultural deterioration, whatever it is, just stop it. It's got to be stopped. That's it. That's that's what's going on. All right. I got to run. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, and also to Joanna Spilger, associate producer. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.